Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton, operating in more than 100 countries. Our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Someone once said that things are getting better and better, worse and worse, faster and faster. Well, if this summer's pace of life and business activity is any guidance, then this fall will fly by just as quickly. Welcome to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs. I'm Chris William, and as we attempt to manage our schedules, at least we don't have to contend with the election cycle, or do we? And that's probably an entirely other program. Fourth quarter, though, is important to retailers. And later on, the chief executive of an e-commerce cloud platform that convenes and optimizes their client's interface with the largest online marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Google, Facebook, etc. David Spitz from Channel Advisor joins in. Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Grady Johnson from SC Biz News, Stan Kelly of Piedmont Triad Partnership, and special guest, David Spitz, CEO of Channel Advisor. Welcome to our program, uh, Stan. Good to have you back. Good to see you, Grady. Thank you. Oh. you know, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We did a whole program just on the impact of both hurricanes in the Carolinas within the last uh, 30 days or so. But Stan, was there was there meaningful disruption uh, in the triad for you? Did, did, did you see a lot of, not just businesses, but in general as, as the last storm came roaring through? Well, Chris, it's good to be here. And uh, on a relative basis, we fared well in the triad. Now, notwithstanding, uh, I went two nights without power, as did many, many of our neighbors uh, throughout the triad. And a lot of trees down, surprisingly, more yeah. than you might think. But relative to other parts of the state, um, you know, not so bad. So, Any flashbacks, like a Hugo-esque effect when you get up in the morning and you see, wow, more trees down than we ever expected? Uh, no, not, yeah. not to that degree. And again, Michael and Florence, you know, the combination of the two of those is really, uh, we felt more of Michael than we did Florence, certainly in the triad. And what about the low country? You know, you guys are below the, the you below sea level like now in places in Charleston. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, you know, across the state, um, we, we just saw quite a bit of business disruption. Um, it kills forward sales. Uh, when, when schools are closed, um, you know, governments uh, are on state of emergency, things shut down. And so there's, there's a real cost in revenue for, for us and our clients when, when this happens. So, so I would say there's a definite impact uh, that goes well beyond trees down and some of the more physical things that you see. It's not really reported. Everybody just sort of absorbs it and goes on their, on their own way. But um, it, 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 it kills you. You know, there was a, a, a quick, I, how they 
phrased it, but Governor McMaster, along with uh, uh, DOT Secretary Christy Hall, both requested from FEMA, federal government, $8 million of quick funding to get that deployed in South Carolina. That, that is almost a rounding error, but nonetheless, it was money that the state house could add to. Do you see that as being a meaningful gesture? I don't even want to call it a gesture, but do you see that that's going to make a difference in places like Conway and the, and, and the Grand Strand? Yeah, I think I think it gets things kind of rolling a little bit. I mean, uh, I think the other the other part of it that that uh, I've yet to see anyone sort of deal with is uh, all of the crop loss. I mean, it just smoked all those row crops and all in that area. So uh, I know the agribusiness uh, was really disrupted by that. And, and there's just a lot of cotton that didn't get harvested and peanuts and whatever, right at the right at the time of year when everybody's getting ready to harvest all that stuff. So so agribusiness in the state took a took a big hit. So it's not just infrastructure and business the way you see. We, we're so used to farms, you know, nobody thinks about it anymore, hardly, right? Mm -hmm. But it, you know, that's a major impact. Under the title of um, unexpected surprises stand, uh, VF Corp has announced that they're moving to Denver. And then Toyota Mazda did not select North Carolina, specifically the triad. Were both of those, I think I, I had read that you had been quoted in an article, you said those are probably more about pride than anything else. Uh, but it's got to hurt on more level than just pride. Well, um, you know, across the triad, um, we've taken some bumps along the way and it goes back you know well before you know recent um, announcements and you know VF will a uh, few jobs are moving uh, west but we'll retain a lot of jobs in the triad from the majority of jobs will stay within the, uh, the triad and Toyota um, you know the silver lining of Toyota is wow we made it to the top two and on a global basis the fact that the central part of North Carolina is in the hunt and competitive and this state came together to compete for that opportunity like I've never seen this state come together from the governor to the legislature to the local employee economic development it was a a, a wonderful opportunity for us to practice mm -hmm. I call it a really serious scrimmage and next time we're gonna win you know that's an interesting way to put it Stan do you, do you and this is my turn but that seemingly was a beta test for North Carolina yeah. So do you think that th that next time, next round, and it could be next week or next year, would you expect to, to announce a win? We feel very confident that we'll be strongly considered. We've got a lot of assets to show. And we've got um, a great story to tell in North Carolina and in Central North Carolina. And every week that goes by now, we're getting more ready and more ready. So you learn yeah. a lot. Yeah. You learn of the gaps that you have. And so we're working on our gaps so that we can compete even more favorably. Um, the next opportunity that presents itself. And uh, we have a confidence and a good positive attitude that we have a great chance to win. Uh, Grady, uh, you know, I hear Stan describe the triad and uh, the forward-looking <clears throat> opportunity that they have. I, and I think of the Midlands and I think of Columbia and South Carolina. And there seems to be quite a dialogue going down in Columbia, how Greenville has, has, has gotten so far ahead, how Charleston has done so well in economic development in Columbia. I'm not going to say struggles, but has not kept up with the two barbells in upstate and, and down in the low country. Is that, is that fair to say about Columbia? Am I overstating that? Or is there a real uh, debate and dialogue going on there? Well, um, 
The, the debate and dialogue is really not unique to Columbia. I think in South Carolina, we have a proficiency for creating circular firing squads. We're excellent at that. And, <laughs> Where uh, did you get that one? <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but, you know, the, the Midlands in particular has a, you know, a, a couple of challenges that I would say. One is that uh, it doesn't take very many miles once you leave the metro area of Columbia before you get into some very depressed counties around, around Columbia. Um, also, it's it's such a government town. You've got you've got not only state government, but you've got federal government. You've got the college there. You've got the Fort Jackson is there. There's not a lot of um, uh, redevelopable or developable real estate. There's not a big tax base there because all of those all of those entities are there for free. And they're nonprofit. Yeah. They're and 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 so uh, it tends to it tends to uh, slow down the dynamism of the of the marketplace in, in comparison to those other those other two places. Mm -hmm. But Columbia does have a lot of a lot of things going for it. And I think I think you know the the leadership. Uh, is is going through you know one of these circular firing squad moments where where they're trying to figure out you know who's going to lead and what's the what's the vision and and I don't think anyone has come forward yet to articulate a vision the way it was articulated in the past. In the past, um, when when the banks were headquartered downtown and things like that, there was there was some real leaders that you could point to who had some economic clout. And and so uh, over the years, Columbia has become somewhat of an outpost in terms of corporate uh, you know corporate involvement some things like that mm -hmm. so it, it you know it's gonna it takes some some leverage right and and I think I think there's we're still searching for that you know in that in that region but it's it's got a lot going for it and I think the other things happening is so much pressure on real estate values in Charleston and, and Greenville uh, the only place to go is towards Columbia so so I think I think yeah. that's also going to help so in that vein uh, Stan, you, Piedmont Triad Partnership, PTP, has come out with the idea of Carolina Core. That's yeah. the first time I've heard about yeah. that. That is clearly an, an, an intentional strategy to take all the assets in the triad and deploy that, yeah. as we talked about. Really, really bullish about the prospects for the central part of North Carolina. Yeah, we see ourselves as the bridge between the Triangle and Charlotte. And when good things happen in those two metropolitan areas, it over time is good for the triad. And that urban crescent from the Charlotte Triad and Triangle over the next, it's where most of North Carolinians live now. And over the next 10 and 20 years, that's where the population's gonna grow. So we're excited about that. So we've kind of branded central North Carolina from Fayetteville up Highway 421 to the triad, you know, Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem. As the central part of North Carolina, it's likely to be the place where potential new companies to North Carolina look to relocate their businesses. We have a lot going for us, population, education, fabulous infrastructure, and importantly, we've got momentum. We're excited, mm -hmm. we've added another uh, 17,000 more people are working in that region today than this time last year. In the last 90 days, we've added 3,000 new jobs from new companies in our area to include Publix and mm -hmm. others that you've read about recently. So, and we have these transformational assets at the airport, these mega sites where they don't exist in other parts of America uh, to the extent that they do in the Carolina core. We have four of them, Moncure, the Chatham Advanced Manufacturing Site, Greensboro Randolph, and at the airport. And so we're excited about those and the Wake Forest Innovation Quarter. So we have some things, some assets to talk about. We got the population, we have the labor shed, we have the infrastructure, we have the education. 
we're ready to win, and uh, we're up on our toes. Now, speaking of Wake Forest, uh, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Speaking of Wake Forest, coming up on the show, uh, Dr. Nathan Hatch from Wake Forest University will be our guest, and we'll ask him about that, Stan. Thank you for that. <laughs> and also, uh, her name is Lynn Good. She's been on this program before. She is the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Duke Energy. Curating a broad array of merchandise and services to sellers and ultimately consumers is not for just the junior varsity squad. This is major league work, no doubt. Morrisville, North Carolina-based Channel Advisor does just that, a self-described e-commerce cloud-based platform who helps retailers and manufacturers identify and enhance their sales channels, quote-unquote. <laughs> Joining us now is Channel Advisor Chief Executive Officer David Spitz. David, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Chris. Pleasure to be here. D David, wh what is a channel? Sure. I know that's elementary, but... In our world, a channel is a path to the consumer. So if you think about how people shop online, I don't know if you buy things on Amazon or uh, eBay or if you use Google to search for products, uh, we help retailers and brands and distributors get their products to show up correctly in the right places at the right time with the right prices and help them optimize the, the entire purchase path from showing those products to managing the orders and even fulfilling the orders. Mm -hmm. So try to make it easy. Uh, our mission is to connect and optimize the world's commerce and we, we try to make it easier for our customers to be more competitive in what's a, a pretty competitive market in e-commerce. So you can't, you can't answer this question by saying both and you'll see what I'm saying here. So do you find yourself, is your bias and I'm not trying to put you in a box either, but do you find your bias as an advocate for the online marketplace like Amazon, eBay, Google, mm -hmm. or do you find yourself the advocate and the agent for the Under Armors of the world? Sure. So our customer is the seller of the product, right? So Under Armour would be a would be a great example. Have been a customer of ours for for uh, for a decade. Uh, but we also, because we're bridging the world of the supplier to the, the channel, in this case an Amazon as an example, uh, it's important for us to have relationships with, uh, with both parties, right? So we spend quite a lot of time not just with our customers, but also with companies and partners like Amazon. We need to understand uh, what does their roadmap look like, what, what do they see changing, because then we go back to our customer base and help them understand what to expect over the next year or two years. And mm -hmm. uh, we ultimately try to act as a, a shock absorber. E-commerce is a very fast changing, very dynamic, uh, just like the rest of technology and the internet. And so uh, customers come to us because they can have a, a trusted partner that uh, that can help them manage through all of that change. So even though you're standing in the in the breach between the two, is that my, my, my first inclination was that's slowing the process down, but that's not what is actually happening. No, uh, years ago, an executive at Amazon called us a, a merchant success platform. In other words, uh, a lot of brands and manufacturers and retailers really aren't equipped to keep up with the fast pace of how to keep up with technology, and so. Uh, we actually help make them more successful by making sure things like the quality of their data uh, is is high quality so that when it shows up, when, when you think about how you purchase online, you want to see high quality images, you want to see accurate descriptions, you want to see accurate prices. Uh, and that sounds simple, but if you've got thousands of products and you're selling across dozens of different channels, keeping up with all of that and making sure that you're keeping up with the latest policies on all of these different outlets uh, actually becomes kind of hard. And so you need a software platform to do that. So we actually facilitate uh, uh, making it go faster and making it easier for our customers. Stan? That's awesome. Yeah, yep. we um, had a chance earlier to just talk about talent and how critical talent is to all of our businesses. And we talked about NC State and we have kids that have been there recently. Uh, Talk a little bit about the university system, the education system in North Carolina, and how critically linked that is to your success. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the university system in Carolina is really one of our crown jewels. Uh, we recruit a lot of students, uh, in particular from NC State. We, yeah. we do quite a lot of software engineering here in, in our headquarters. Um, but we also draw, uh, as you can imagine, from Chapel Hill and sure. from Duke uh, and, and, and others as well. Uh, it, it's really what makes, uh, the, uh, in particular, the triad and the triangle area really one of, I think, the best places to have a business, especially in the technology field. Um, there are some disadvantages for us sometimes. We talk about uh, the lack of easier access to capital like you might find in other regions or maybe senior talent in, in certain areas. But, uh, but by and large, we've we found it to be a fantastic place to, to run a technology business. We also find that retention uh, is really strong. Uh, you hear stories sometimes about other regions where uh, average employee tenure is 18 months mm -hmm. or 24 months. Mm -hmm. uh, the last time I looked at our at our engineering tenure, it was something like seven and a half years. And so you mm -hmm. can build a really durable wow. business uh, in an area like this. Is that the demic? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just and also just the culture and lifestyle living in the sure. triangle with the universities is. You know, that's all additive to the success. It's a great place to live, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that, that really attracts people to yeah. the area. And uh, the cost of living, of course, is another thing. So, yeah. uh, so we recruit uh, from the Northeast and from the West Coast because a lot of people are uh, unable to really afford to live sometimes yeah. in those areas. And so it's, it's, a, it's a great draw. Great. So, staying on the talent side of things, talk a little bit about, about company culture and how you, how you sort of preserve a company culture and, and project some of those values that maybe you had that was a, made it a cool place to work when it was a startup and now you know you got this big company uh, what are you guys doing to kind of kind of keep a good vibe going so you can retain people sure uh, so the founder Scott Wingo uh, and I've worked together for a long time uh, and we've always had this mentality that we we wanted to build a company where we would want to work if we were just coming into the workforce as an example mm -hmm. let's say we were new college graduates and uh, so what that means to us from a, from a cultural perspe perspective is that we are, uh, it's a meritocracy, it's a flat organization, we're very open door, um, we, uh, we publish our mission and values internally. That's one thing that we did over the last couple of years. You, you can imagine that as a, as a smaller startup, everybody just kind of gets it because you're small and you're, you're in the foxhole together. And, and what we found over the years as we went global, so we have about 750 employees around the world from... Europe, London, Berlin, to China, Australia, et cetera, that um, you, you lose some of that osmosis, uh, that natural ability to convey culture just, uh, just organically. And so, so we decided to develop more formally our mission and our value statements. And we value things like persistence and collaboration. And you know, we, we have a list of them that we walk through on a, on a really re regular basis. Um, but at the core, it's really, I think for us about what's the kind of place we would want to work, right? Where anybody can come to my office and, and talk to me, right? I, I, you know, I try to be as accessible as I can because sometimes the best ideas come from somebody who maybe started a week ago and sees mm -hmm. something that, you know, they're, uh, you know that, that we've become blind to, as an mm -hmm. example. So, uh, and we've won the Triangle Best Place to Work Award, uh, I think six or seven times over the years. Mm -hmm. I think because of that. Um, so. You know, I know this may be a little bit outside your wheelhouse, but it's got to be something that you watch, and that's fourth quarter, pretty important to retail sales. Yeah. A lot of economists are saying 45 to 4% gain this year over last. Mm -hmm. Would you buy that? You think it's going to be stronger? You're concerned about the economy? Where do you fall on that? No, I think if, if you look at a lot of the leading indicators, whether it's consumer confidence index or uh, just generally, uh, obviously, almost record low in employment these days for, for decades. Um, I think we're, we're set up for a fairly strong holiday season. Mm -hmm. um, now, of course, there are 
things like tariffs and some of the trade issues that are going on around the world that uh, um, you know could have an impact. I think that's really hard to predict, but I think my if I were uh, if I were putting money down, I'd say it's it's likely to be a strong holiday season in general here, at least here domestically in the U.S. So you kind of are putting money down. <laughs> I mean, you are. Well, this is the business we're in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we're we're trying hard to make sure that our customers are prepared. Um, every year it's different. Like for example, we've seen over the years that the holiday season in e-commerce tends to start earlier and earlier. Uh, everybody is trying to sort of leapfrog the competition, right? So it used to be Black Friday and right. then Thanksgiving and now it's the week of Thanksgiving and we start to see more and more of that sort of encroachment uh, running forward. Those are the kinds of things that we try to prepare our customers for. Yeah, Stan? David, um, we've all talked about how excited we are to be in the Carolinas and as a CEO of a global company and we're looking for that next company to find its way to the Carolinas. What makes you stay here? What, what is it about the Carolinas that we should know as we think about recruiting the next company such as yours to North or South Carolina? Absolutely, well I'd, I'd start with uh, the, the quality of life. I think that's one of the most consistent things I hear from people who've spent time in Carolina or, or have moved to Carolina. Um, the, uh, the, the, the cost of living is low. Uh, yes, we have traffic every now and then in certain you know, high density yeah. areas, but uh, but if you go to other cities that really have traffic issues, you yeah. realize that being stuck in traffic for five or ten minutes is is nothing yeah. compared to that. Um, you know, home prices. You can actually live in a in a home and mm -hmm. raise a family without uh, without going uh, going broke. Uh, and then, of course, as you go beyond that, from a quality of life, you've got the coast. Uh, one of the, in my view, one of the most beautiful coasts in the world, yeah. uh, in North Carolina, and the mountains as well. Um, uh, so those are sort of the, you know, for uh, at a personal level, what yeah. I think makes it a, a great place to, to raise a family and, sure. uh, as well. We have a lot of uh, young families at Channel Advisor, and, and it's great to see them able to, to do that in a cost-effective manner. Um, and then as we, we, as we speak about, uh, as we spoke about earlier on the business side, the availability of talent, yeah. right, with the university mm -hmm. system yeah. uh, is, really, is really fantastic. And it's, it's a more... Um, it's a more durable, I think, employee base. You, you know, you don't have to worry as much as you do, I think, in other regions about high employee turnover. Yeah, and so that, that makes it easier to build a business yeah. uh, that can last, I think. Great point. Yeah. Mr. Johnson? Switching gears on you a little bit, talk a little bit about uh, cybercrime and, and how that's impacting online retail and the threats that, that you sort of see out there and some solutions you're looking at and just sort of a general, a general feeling for, for that from your, from your chair. Yeah, cybercrime is a is a tough topic, and you know it's funny when e-commerce was really getting going. I think a lot of people thought that the objection was going to be that people would never put a credit card on on the internet. Well, that clearly turned out not to be true. People are not really concerned <laughs> about about that. Um, there are concerns, I think, around identity theft and trust, especially as you look at some of the stories around social media influencing how people uh, you know behave or vote in an election or or just you know trying to. You know, bad actors trying to sow discord uh, out there. Um, so I think I think cyber crime. I, the 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 fact of the matter is that e-commerce is such a convenience for people that I don't think cyber crime uh, or the threat of it inhibits people from from buying online. Um, what we see is a little bit more of an issue in our realm is because e-commerce is so global. Um, there's a lot of concern around things like counterfeit uh, or fake goods, and so. Uh, just managing reputations and managing supply chain to make sure that the products that you think you buy you, that you're buying are actually the products that you're buying. That's probably a bigger concern across across our customer base. We, we've got about two two minutes. I want to get two things in. So mm -hmm. to that point, David, 
will cryptocurrency or some type of standardized cryptocurrency, let's say the Fed puts its foot down and said, we're going to standardize cryptocurrency, it's going to be this. Mm -hmm. If that happens, would you expect that to happen sooner rather than later? And would that stabilize some of this, this cybercrime? Mm. This doesn't make me popular in the tech parties. I, I'm not a big believer in cryptocurrency. I think that the first thing a currency has to have is, is, a, is a notion of stability. And if you look at the volatility of a lot of the currencies that are out there, it's, it's not really great as a store of value. Uh, there, was a, there was a guy who uh, uh, seven or eight years ago bought a couple of pizzas for, I think it was one or two Bitcoin, and you know, now it turns out that those yeah. are, turned out to be really he expensive pizzas, uh, or vice versa. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I, I'm not sure that, you know, unless you're trying to hide your activity, you know, if you're you know, a criminal element or whatever, I'm not sure really at the end of the day what the appeal is. And again, that doesn't necessarily make me popular yeah. with the tech crowd. I do believe that I, I think you have to separate cryptocurrency from blockchain. And I think blockchain, which is the underlying technology, is a really, really fascinating technology that could revolutionize things like supply chain transparency, logistics, which is something near and dear to our heart. So, uh, so I would sort of separate, um, I wouldn't throw away the baby with the bathwater. I think blockchain is really important and transformative for could, it. Could you have a cryptocurrency without blockchain or vice versa? Uh, I suppose it's possible, but it, the blockchain is what makes it a decentralized, sort of ungoverned thing. And yeah. so if you didn't have blockchain, you'd have to replace it with something similar to it. Yeah, okay, thank you. And uh, uh, just about 20 seconds, 10 seconds, uh, is venture capital uh, going to increase in the Carolinas? Uh, I think it will. It's uh, across the nation. It's at a record level this year, uh, and I think there's so much talent and so much opportunity in the Carolinas that it's only a matter of time yeah. before more capital okay. comes in. David, thanks. Come back because we ran out of time, and that's not fair to you. And we'd love to hear more about I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Great to be here. Tell Scott Wingo hello for us. I absolutely will. Grady, good to see you. Stan, My nice pleasure. to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next week, I'm Chris William. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by the Duke Endowment. Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.com.